May the words of my mouth and meditation of all of our hearts be always acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. Few things are as easy for most people as taking a walk. I know that there are those for whom taking a walk is a very difficult thing, maybe, um, maybe even impossible. And uh, we surely would sympathize with people in such a, a situation. In fact, I remember in my first parish in Kentucky, there was a young man, his name was Shay. He was only 20 years old when I met him. And about two years before that, he had had this uh, horrendous automobile accident. And um, he was paralyzed from the waist down following that accident. And we spent a lot of time together, uh, fishing and talking and in council. And I know what what a serious difficulty that was for him. And so I know that it can be heartbreaking not to be able to do one of the simplest things that it seems like most people can do, which is simply to take a walk. But for most of us, it is pretty much an easy thing to do. It can be joyful or it can be arduous. Um, but it's pretty much a daily occurrence, something almost like breathing that you don't think about. You just get up and go about your day. Um, Abby and I went to, uh, to the Smoky Mountains last week, and we were in Gatlinburg, and we did lots of walking. We climbed mountains, which is a hard walk, you know. And we, we walked up the sort of kitschy strip in Gatlinburg, which uh, I love all that stuff. And then so um, we walked in that. We, we went to restaurants and ate too much and then had to walk just in order to be able to, to sit down and be comfortable after that. Um, you know how you do. You just walk, and, and it's part of our lives. You don't even have to be an outdoors sort of person to enjoy the joy of walking. And sometimes walking is tedious and painful. Last, um, last summer, I took the confirmation kids to Cedar Point, and we walked and walked and walked and stood in line and walked and walked. And, walked. and when I came home, my feet were so sore, I didn't think I was ever want to walk again. But, of course, you do, don't you? you get up and, and go about your day walking. I saw on the American Heart Association's website that they say that walking is one of the best exercises a person can do. In fact, they say walking is the simplest positive change you can make to effectively improve your heart health. Research has shown the benefits of walking and moderate physical activity for at least 30 minutes a day can do all sorts of things, include reduce your risk of heart disease, lower your blood pressure and your blood sugar, Improve your blood lipid profile. I have no idea what that means, but some of you may maintain body weight, enhance well-being, reduce risk of osteoporosis, and on and on and on. Just taking a walk can be that good for you. It got me thinking about when I was a child, and I hated walking. You know, I I hated the, the necessity of walking. Um, until I was 18, I had no car. You know, it wasn't like somebody would get a car at 16. I didn't have one until I was 18. So when I was a kid, I had two options, walk or ride a bike. And option B always seemed to have some sort of hitch in it. I don't know if you ever had this when you were growing up. It seemed like my, my bike always had a flat tire. There was always a, an inner tube problem, and the patch kit didn't have everything, and whatever. Or the chain would fall off, and it was missing a link. And, and then my brother, if it was working well, would steal it. You know, it was always something would cause me not to be able to exercise my second or my best option, and I had to go to my second best option, which was to walk. And you do what you do. You walk around. Sometimes I'd beg a ride from somebody or, you know, catch a bus, catch a train, sometimes legally. I would do all sorts of things that kind of get around, you know, from one place to another. Uh, I would even, on occasion, take a ride with my mother, which was, you know, the worst possible option, but sometimes better than walking. 
walking just seemed to have, out of necessity, this sort of, I don't know, unsavory thing to me. I remember even I had to walk to school. Yes, I had to walk to school. And it was uphill both ways, right? I had to walk to school, I remember as a child, and I would grumble and complain. My brother and I would be walking, I would grumbling and complaining about having to walk to school. And as soon as I got there, some boy would have a football in his hand. He'd yell, hey boys, we'll go deep. And I'd drop my book bag and take off running, you know? Not thinking that I was just grumbling about having to do the same thing. Now all of a sudden it became fun. I remember my mother saying to me, you know, you and your brother walked down to Earhart's Market. It was two blocks. I mean, I'm not kidding you, two blocks from our home. <laughs> you know, we don't have to do this. The other kids don't have to walk the store for their mother, you know. You know how some children do. Um, and then she would say occasionally, and you can have 50 cents for some candy. And boom, we were sprinting out the door. And the same walk that was so arduous suddenly became fun. I like that my children have always lived in a town small enough for them to walk around and to have to complain when their parents send them to the store. You know, we've always lived in a, in a place where they could reasonably walk with some degree of safety. There's something about a walk, though, that can actually make you into a different kind of person. I was, um, I was thinking about St. Luke's Gospel and the passage and how it, it centers around a walk. There's this couple of people, um, one is named Cleopas and the other is not mentioned. I think it's, I think it's Cleopas' wife. I think it's Mrs. Cleopas. And I think that they are together walking down this road. They're walking from Jerusalem to a town called Emmaus. The, the town most likely is about three and a half miles northwest of Jerusalem. Luke says it's a seven-mile journey, but I think he's including the sort of round trip because there is an t- ancient town about three and a half miles, and he assumed that everybody would walk because that's what everyone in the ancient world did. They would walk. And Cleopas and Mrs. Cleopas are in Jerusalem for the Passover. They're followers of Jesus. This is an annual festival. They have been going to this since they could remember, since they were tiny children going to Jerusalem. And now they go there... And Jesus is there. And it looks at first to be the greatest weekend in in the world to them. Jesus is being hailed as a king at the beginning. It looks like he's going to become the leader of Israel. And by the end of the week, he's arrested by Roman authorities, beaten, and crucified. And now it's Sunday. That's where Luke picks us up. It's Sunday. And Cleopas and Mrs. Cleopas, I think, are walking home back to Emmaus, back that three and a half mile walk from Jerusalem to Emmaus. And Luke says that a stranger comes upon them. They don't recognize this stranger. You do as the reader. You know who the stranger is, that it's the risen Lord, but they don't know. And the risen Lord comes and he's among them and they they seem to be discussing something and they have this this downcast look. He says to them, let me refresh your memory, he says to them, what are you discussing with each other as you walk along? And they stood still looking sad. You know that Luke first wrote this uh, in Greek. And looking sad is a paltry translation. It's really, it's really not very good at all. Eugene Peterson does this. They stood there, long-faced, like they had lost their best friend. Here they, they stop. They're walking. And they stop walking in order to reflect their sadness. And, and they look at him looking like they had just lost their best friend. And whilst they're standing there looking forlorn, Luke goes on, then one of them who was named Cleopas says, 
Are you the only stranger in Jerusalem who doesn't know about these things that have taken place? Big newsflash. You're not going to believe what happened. And you're the only person, you're the only one who doesn't seem to know what happened about Jesus and about how he thought he was the one and how he was crucified. And now it's Sunday. It's three days later. I want you to imagine the scene, this man and woman. All their hopes, all their all their their best wishes placed upon Jesus, and now they think he's dead and gone, and they stand there looking, perhaps even with a little disgust, at this person who doesn't even seem to know any of this. He's not aware of any of the events that have gone on. And then the walk resumes. And this is where it kind of gets a little interesting because now Jesus takes over the conversation. He at first was, you know, questioning. And they were driving the conversation, but now he starts driving the conversation. Luke says, and he opened the scriptures to them. He didn't talk about the weather, or sports, or politics. He didn't talk about how crummy the Romans were. Can you believe what they've done? He opened the scriptures to them. And beginning with Moses, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, beginning with Moses and all the prophets... He began to show them the things that the Messiah must undergo and that he must suffer and die and then on the third day be uh, raised again. We might even say that what Jesus did on the road to Emmaus, between Jerusalem and Emmaus, was to preach a sermon. I think it was about a two and a half hour walk. A fitting length for a sermon if you ask me. But maybe they were just um, not quite set up to our sensibilities. Anyway, so they're walking down the road and Jesus is speaking to them. And he's telling them all these things. And they get to the end of, the, of the, the road. They get to their home. And he's going to keep on walking. And what do the people say? No, come in. Let's eat. I want you to do a little, a little mental exercise with me. I want you to imagine that you live somewhere close to the downtown region of Hudson, okay? And you come out of whatever you're doing. I don't know, you're yours truly or the yoga place or you're at a bank. I don't know. You come out and there I am walking down the street. And you say to me, Joe, it's so great to see you. And I say the same to you. It's great to see you. And you say, come, let's walk together. And we walk and we're heading towards your house and we're chatting along the way. And we get to your house and you say, come on in. And I say, oh, no, I can't. I'm, I'm really quite busy. I have to be moving. And you say, oh, come on. I mean, you're so engaged by my conversation. And why wouldn't you be? And so, and so you, you, you're trying to lure me in. Come in. And you say, I have donuts. As if I can be tempted by donuts. Of course I can be tempted by donuts. And so you, you, you lure me in and I come into your home. What happens next? You know what happens next. You lead me to the kitchen, right? Maybe you pull out a chair or maybe you say, go have a seat over there. And then you go to the cupboards and you open them up and you pull out plates, don't you? And you pull out the donuts. You better pull out donuts if you promise me donuts. And you pull out the donuts and you, you set them on the table and, and you make the coffee and, and we're chatting along the way. That's not what happens here. Did you notice what happens? As they came near the village where they were going, Jesus walking ahead as if he were going on, but they, Cleopas and Mrs. Cleopas, urged him strongly, stay with us. It's almost evening. The day is nearly over. So he went in. This is where we expect them to start opening cupboards and pulling out plates and starting the coffee. And when he was at the table, he took bread. He took the bread. And blessed it, and broke it, and gave it to them. Who's the host, and who's the guest in this situation? 
Something happened on the road, didn't it? Something happened on the road from Jerusalem to Emmaus that suddenly changed the, the host into the guest. Someone was with them. And they look back and they reflect on it in verse 32. And they say to each other, were not our hearts burning within us? While he was talking on the road, while he was opening the scriptures to us. And you're clever enough to have noticed. Not only was he preaching the word, but when he got to the table, what was he doing? When he took the bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to them. Four actions, took, blessed, broke, gave. You've heard this before. You've seen this meal before, haven't you? And their eyes were opened. And they realized it was Jesus in their midst. And then he vanished from their midst. I think Luke is doing more than telling an Easter story. I think he's doing more than just saying, look, here's another couple people who, who witnessed Jesus resurrected from the dead. I think he's reminding us that all of life is like a walk. And all of life is filled with the same sort of things that Cleopas and his companion experienced. Expectation, disappointment, learning, growing, changing, and realizing that God was in their presence all along even when they didn't know he was there with them. Even when they thought it was somebody who didn't have a clue as to what was going on, it turns out it was the risen Lord who knew altogether well what was going on. I read this article this uh, week in the Hudson Monthly. It's this little magazine that comes in the local newspaper here about this girl, Erica Wagner. Maybe some of you know her. She seems she was in this horrific automobile accident um, back in August. And uh, a traumatic brain injury. She was in the hospital for six months. And the article was about her coming home just a, a couple weeks ago. And um, I guess as she's coming home, there were like 75 people, you know, had crowded into her home to do a little surprise party for her when she came through the door. And all her neighbors knew that she was coming home, so they put luminaries on the street from the corner all the way down to her house so that her road would be lit up as she was coming home. Great to live in, in this town and, and, and the people that live here. Anyway, she's coming down there and, and as she's um, heading to the house, you know, their big celebration and, and, and going on inside. Still hasn't recovered. The article said that she's been a student athlete all her life and she has one goal. She wants to walk again. And I'm sure she's going to get there. And I think the, one of the sweetest days she's going to have is when her mom and dad says to her, come on, let's, let's take a walk together. I think that's going to be a really sweet day for her. And I thought about that in the way I sometimes grumble about walking and the way that my sons sometimes grumble to me when I make them walk somewhere. You know, there's good for us to walk. Something happens to us as we walk along the road. And walking really is a metaphor for life, isn't it, in a lot of ways? That sometimes we're walking down the road and we're, we're filled with expectations and disappointments but hopefully growing and changing. And I think the best kind of walk is when you realize that you're walking with Jesus because that makes all the difference in the world. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit.